When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When do you notice that the paper you're using is actually your skin? Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Hello. Well, let's see how this goes. I am in. Um, I tell you what, this is like. So I'm not in a hotel room this time. I am in a service department. Uh, it's sort of got the air of where a recent divorcee <laughs> might go to. Well, he just gets things sorted and end up <laughs> staying far too long. So, okay. so that's where I am because I'm working in Salford this week. Annabelle is at home. She's Annabelle. Mm-hmm. You've had an awful, awful day of it today, haven't you? Well, we had a power cart. Did you light a candle? Well, I would have done, but it was still light. Otherwise, <laughs> I definitely would have done. But yeah, it was very. It was like medieval times. Is there going to be a little bit of better of little feet in nine months' time? <laughs> As I said, it sort, of, it sort of happened between about five and seven. So, you know, <laughs> I think it's highly <laughs> unlikely. Uh, and also, was... it's, it's, also, it's highly unlikely. There didn't have to be a reason for it. It's, it's highly <laughs> unlikely, full stop. So, yeah. That was a thing, though, wasn't it? You get little baby booms after power cuts. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, I'm... I'm um, I, I don't like to moan about these things, but I mean, I, I am just exhausted. I'm two days into doing a breakfast show. Oh, I'm and so sorry. It's just, just hideous, just hideous, getting up at just before four o'clock in the morning. Oh. So I know, I know. So I won't whinge on about it. But if, if this week's episode of Adrift perhaps isn't up to the... <laughs> I can't even say this with a straight face. The high standard to which you've become accustomed, <laughs> then, uh, then, then that might be why. Um I also went to Edinburgh at the weekend. Yes, how was that? Well, so uh, my, my wife is performing at the Fringe Festival. She's having a nice time of it, uh, and I wanted to go up and see her show, which I did. Uh, I've, got, I've got some notes. But those are for her, really, <laughs> rather than for the Adrift listener. But s- s- something quite embarrassing happened. Okay. So when you go to these Fringe Festival shows, more often than not, they are ticketed but they, it's not allocated seating. Okay. And the venues are usually very small and hot, which is true of Sarah's venue. Um, and you're kind of cramped up very close next to the person next to you, mm. against the person next to you. Yeah. So I, I, I go in and it's starting to fill up and uh, 
there's a row of people. So I, I go into that row and I'm next to a woman. And knowing that that row will then fill up, I kind of budge as close to her as I possibly can. Do you know what I am? The opposite of a manspreader. Oh, good for you. Well yeah, done. Yeah, you know, I'm very conscious of the amount of space that I take up and I, and I try and make myself as small as possible in any given situation. So I bunch up as close to this lady as as possible and then the row fills up on the other side of me. But it ends up not filling up as tightly as anticipated. Okay. So there is a bit of space to right. my left. Yeah. Um, but I'm cramped up against this lady on my right. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know what to do with myself. And this woman turns to me and says, oh, would you mind just moving away a little bit? <gasps> she said she said yeah. it to you. And I say, <gasps> oh, oh, I just, you know, was making sure in case they try and fill the row, there's still space for one more. She went, I don't think they'll be, uh, I don't think they'll be putting anybody else on this row now. And I think she thought I was some kind of pervert. Yeah, I think she did. Who wanted to, you sit so, close, yeah. Yes, touch her exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know that that kind of ruined the whole experience of watching the show and Edinburgh for me. <laughs> the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, um, and then here's the thing. Did I tell you? I'd, well, I know I haven't told the listeners. I think I've told you. I was a bit poorly uh, last week, mm. so yeah, I won't give you too many gory details. But I've had a, a, a UTI a urinary tract infection. Um, so I've been on antibiotics and the upshot of it, the, the thing that took a while to clear up was it hurt every time I went for a wee. Mm, yeah. So after the show, I went to the gents' toilets and as you can imagine, it's the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. They're very, very busy and it's uh, a urinal trough situation. Okay. You know what I mean by that? It's yep, not yep. individual urinals. Uh, so... And, and that is an anxiety-producing moment when you're at the front when you're at the front of the queue, waiting for a space in the trough to become free. I can't even begin to imagine a trough, let alone a queue to a trough. Because it's it's a similar situation as as the seat because you're trying to gauge whether you can fit in the space or not between oh. two men. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah. So so I do this and I can fit in the space, but I'm quite tightly packed between two gentlemen who are urinating. You're not like touching um, arms, are you? Um, maybe. Oh God, that is Maybe, tight. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, but because of my UTI, I'm taking a while to get going. <laughs> right. Now, you know, there is this other phenomenon that which is well documented that some men in that situation take a while to get going anyway because they get stage fright. Mm-mm-mm, yeah. So I don't get stage fright. I'm exactly the sort of person you would expect to, mm. but I, I don't. But but I was then worried that as I was standing there with with little Jeff in hand, <laughs> with nothing happening, these gentlemen urinating on either side of me were, were judging me and thinking less of me, thinking, oh, well, there's one of those stage fright guys, oh, can't hang with the big boys, oh, should really be in a cubicle on his own. <laughs> and actually, for all my many, many ways in which I'm a weak and feeble man. Yeah. That isn't one of them. But you can't really explain that. Oh, thank God you didn't. You please tell me you didn't. <laughs> I didn't. But... Oh, thank God. We all thought that was coming. <laughs> if you're insightful and aligned with this vision, you might be ready for the next phase. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. I wonder if 
I threw out that as a as a, one of the subjects we'd like email on whether we would get anything back. What on using a trough? Yes, yeah, sort of, or, or just hor- horror stories from the urinal. I know that everybody isn't as obsessed with toilet um, based stories as I am, but I still think there's perhaps potential. Um, not just the urinals, but just toilets in general. We've touched on this, you know, we've we've edged towards it a couple of times in the past, but mm-hmm. we could we could see see what we get back. Um it's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Uh, how's it looking this week, Annabelle? Yep. I've got three for you now. Okay. First one is from Sam, who says a few years ago, some friends of mine asked me to do a reading at their wedding for some unknown reason, which still baffles me to this day. I agreed. The big day came and I was regretting my decision, but I now had no choice. I had to do it. Before the ceremony, the registrar came and found me to tell me I would be called to do my bit near the end once they'd signed the register. Great. I had to sit through the whole service with this looming over me. Anyway, the service started. It was all lovely, despite the dread of my upcoming public speaking. They got towards the end and were signing the register and the registrar got up. Oh, no, I thought, here comes my bit. And she said to everyone, and now Sam is going to sing. Sing? (laughs) All my friends turned and looked at me in disbelief. Now, I should point out, I cannot sing. In fact, my singing is so bad. I was once told by my primary school teacher to mime in the Christmas choir as my voice was ruining it. (laughs) Ruining a bunch of seven-year-olds caroling. That's how bad my singing voice is. But now here, I'm being asked to do a surprise solo rendition in the middle of a wedding ceremony. Could I point blank refuse to do it? Would that be rude? What could I sing? The only song I know all the words to is Happy Birthday. Should I just start singing that? (laughs) Sheer panic was taking over. My friends were still staring at me, thinking I was going to do a Susan Boyle and surprise them with my amazing voice that I'd kept hidden for years. Whilst this was all going through my mind, another girl also called Sam, and who, it turns out, is a classically trained singer, got up and started to sing. I was so relieved. I really wanted to laugh, which would be inappropriate in the middle of a wedding. So I tried to suppress it, which, of course, just made it worse. (laughs) By the time the other Sam had finished her song, I was shaking with suppressed laughter. Then the registrar called me up to do my reading. So I got up, still trying not to laugh, stood in front of everyone, I just burst out laughing. I was laughing so hard. I had had tears rolling down my face. People were just looking at me in horror. I managed to squeeze out the word of my reading whilst laughing hysterically and then sat back down to wait for the earth to swallow me up. For some reason, I've never been asked to speak at anything again since. Oh, that's fantastic. You you read at our wedding, Annabelle. I I think... In a in a way, I mean, this is slightly off the story there, which was just magnificent and magnificently told. The the reading is one of the easiest things you can ask somebody to do at a wedding. Yeah, I guess so. If you're not too terrified of speaking in front of people and it's not too many people, and if you give them, tell them what to read, I think you don't. Yeah, if you don't have to think anything up yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's the least effort, I suppose. If you don't, yeah, mind because even if you're loud. an usher or something, then you're having to interact with people. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Anyway. But anyway, obviously, I put a lot of effort into the performance at your wedding, so <laughs> <laughs> it was very moving. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I was just sort of crying from start to finish. So I've got very <laughs> little gauge, to be honest, on how moving it was. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go on to Alexandra. 
I was meeting my friend at a bar for her birthday and as I walked towards it, I saw her standing outside the tube station talking to another friend. I knew what I needed to do. I got behind her really close and grabbed a good handful of her bottom. I'd gone for a deep, wide-handed cheek squeeze. Oh, no. To my horror, a total stranger turned round, furious and ready to hit me. Mortified, I apologised profusely, babbled the words, Oh, friend, I I thought you were. I ran off with legs of jelly. (laughs) And this is from Rachel. I just heard Jeff's excruciating story about confusing Katie Tunstall with Amy McDonald. It reminded me (laughs) of a horrible but fresh memory from only a few days ago. So for background, despite being in my 20s, I am a huge Van Morrison fan. I love Van the Man, and as you do, every so often when I'm listening to his music, I will do some online reading about him and his music, etc. Fast forward to this weekend, I was at the fantastic music festival WOMAD, and one of the things to do there was listen to authors speak at the World of Words tent. My mum was very keen to see Terry Waite talk about his most recent book. Like I said, I'm in my 20s, so at first the name didn't mean anything to me. This prompted incredulity incredulity from my mum who then explained that he'd been held hostage in Lebanon in the late 80s early 90s persuaded this would be interesting I went to the talk with her my mum was then keen to queue up to get the book signed by Terry in the queue I mentioned to my mum that during the talk I had remembered that I did in fact know about Terry Waite and that it had come from the fact that he was a huge Van Morrison fan I recalled that he had cited the song Wonderful Remark and been one of the things that got him through his time imprisoned. See, I wasn't so stupid after all. When we got to the front of the queue, I did not know what came over me, but for some reason, perhaps to show off that I was a clever person aware of worldly things after all, I thought it would be an excellent idea to tell Terry that like him, I too was a huge Van Morrison fan. As soon as the words left my lips, I could see I'd made a big mistake as his lovely smiling face turned to a blank, confused expression. And finally, he managed to say, yes, I I have heard of Van Morrison. Then there was another (laughs) awkward pause before he said, but you know who is a very big fan? John McCarthy. Uh. I had confused him with the other hostage. (laughs) My face flushed. We thanked him and hurriedly walked away. I felt shame wash over me. In my desperate attempt to seem knowing, I had disrespected this lovely man. Something feels so much worse about confusing two hostages than confusing two other normal people. That will teach me to open my mouth ever again. The saddest part is, is that I tried to listen to Van Morrison today and I couldn't because all I could think of was this embarrassing moment over and over again. Oh, that's fantastic. That yeah. is so great. Yeah. Um, if you have anything like that story, the the, the time when confidence <laughs> descended upon you <laughs> uh, with terrible consequences, uh, then email us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Time for Adrift with Annabelle Port and Jeff Lloyd. In whatever order makes sense to you, you are the one that is perceiving it. Annabelle. Yes. It is time for a way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. Part 27. Cleaning. This is going to be like Sesame Street where you just, you get to like number 10,621. One can only hope. (laughs) (laughs) Part, Part 27 is cleaning. 
Okay. So I was speaking to someone this week, a new friend, and she was telling me about a blog she was reading that promised to help you cut your cleaning down to 45 minutes. And I laughed and I said, oh, that would involve me doing more cleaning as I only do about 30 minutes a week. And my friend said, oh, oh no, I meant cut it down to 45 minutes a day. I was mortified and I had to make a joke about living in squalor while I saw her mentally making a memo to herself to never, ever go round to my house. (laughs) But I had wondered why my house was so unclean. It turns out that I'm not doing enough cleaning. (laughs) It's not that I even hate the cleaning itself. I just get annoyed that you do it. And then in a few days, it's dirty again. It'd be like being a writer and someone always burning what you'd written. Like, I'd find that really annoying. (laughs) And I don't understand where a lot of the dirt comes from. In my head, there is no reason why a shower would ever need to be cleaned, as it's only used for washing. (laughs) There's just water being splashed on it, and then some soap, and then more water. It's self-cleaning. I also feel the same way about towels. They're only used to to dry clean water from a clean body. So why do they have any washing? Like in theory, (laughs) you should never have to wash them. Anyway, I looked at this blog that my friend was telling me about. And there was a list of things you do daily and weekly. And on the weekly list was empty crumbs from the toaster train. Now, in the eight years I've lived in my current flat, I have not done this once. I felt like the Joseph Fritzl of the breadcrumbs world, like I'd <laughs> created them and then held them hostage. And I've been too frightened to even look what's going on in there. Like, what if they've mutated in some kind of crumb beast? Like, I'm genuinely scared, so I'm just leaving it. Because <laughs> my attitude is, if I can't see it, it's not there, so it doesn't need worrying about. And for everything else, if my eyes can get used to it and therefore not see it anymore, it's not there unless someone comes around my house, in which case I need to spend two <laughs> days cleaning beforehand. <laughs> Another thing on this blog, a weekly job, vacuum your mattress. I don't understand how everyone is getting a dusty mattress when there's a sheet covering it and a duvet. Like, I don't have sheets like sieves. I was going to Google it to find out why it's necessary, but I was too scared, so I didn't. <laughs> there is way too much getting the hoover out for my liking on this blog. You're supposed to hoover one room a day, which means getting the hoover out five times a week and far worse putting it back five times a week. And I have never lived anywhere where it doesn't take at least five minutes to get the hoover to fit back in the cupboard. It's not just open cupboard, put hoover in closed cupboard. It's open cupboard, take out ironing board, put hoover in, try and curl the hose bit so it fits, put ironing board back, try and fail to close cupboard, push ironing board, try again, take out ironing board, then rearrange hose bit of the hoover, put back ironing board, try and fail to close the door again, kick the ironing board several times and then decide to live with the cupboard door slightly open. I'm not doing that every day. So I think it's just easier to live in squalor and have no friends that ever come round. And that's a decision I've made. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift with you, which is saying something about you. You know what we need to talk about, don't we? Oh, I think I do. The, the merch, the oh. latest, uh, uh, the the latest produce in the in the. A drift store. I sound excited, don't I? Could you tell I sounded excited? I could, I could. Um, this is badges. I got, I got a tweet from Jack McMorrow who said, um, why can't the badges be 12 and sixpence? He says, I have no idea what that is. Can you answer that question before we, we begin? 12 and sixpence. Yeah. What, I, think he's pre- I think he's pre-decimalisation there is, is what's um, going on. Yes. Hmm. Well, okay, I can make it that. For him, <laughs> nobody else. 
Did you do? I can't. I can't remember how you reached your price point. Yeah, I think. I think I just. I gave you like a range, and, and I asked you what you thought was re- realistic, and then we right, settled right. on five pounds. I think. I think right. so. I need to listen back to it. <laughs> I think yeah. we said five pounds. But the really exciting news is, is that they've now been designed. <sighs> yes, an amazing designer called Abby Perkis has designed them for us, and I'm so happy with them. I'm so so happy. So. I have sent the designs to the manufacturer. And so like they should be arriving in just over a week. It's it's, it's so exciting. Can I can I just say if anybody uh if if anybody is thinking oh it's a bit steep. I mean Annabelle would love to be able you I mean you would genuinely love to be able to do people an offer wouldn't you? I mean you would because you, you know you you're you know your word is as good as your bond and you you like a bargain you like giving people a good price fair's fair and all that right 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 keep going but, but with you know if you're the cnd for example and you have badges made yeah. you're getting them made in, in bulk yeah yeah so they they can do a much lower price per unit oh, yeah, than yeah. we can these these are sort of bespoke things aren't they you're talking like me i love it you said the word unit <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not sure bespoke is the right word otherwise we'd be designing everybody their own badge they're definitely not individual bespoke, badge. Yeah. no yeah. because no it's not like i could order a thousand or anything that would be insane i'd be i'd be drowning in them um yeah. But yeah, you'd you, also have a lot of unsold badges. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I bought a realistic amount. Um, yeah, so that that's why I can't do them at rock bottom prices. I'm afraid. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that you say rock bottom prices. Okay, okay, okay. Hasn't somebody in your family got a market stall? Um, it's someone who used to be in my family. Yeah. Hang on, what they used to be in your family, or they used to have a market stall? No, I think I think they've still got a market stall, but they're not in the family anymore due to divorce. Oh right, I mm. see, I see. But I mean, did you spend any time around that market stall? I, no, I didn't. No, no. But well, it, I mean, it's weird because this person is related by marriage, but it seems like this stuff is very much in your blood, Annabelle. <laughs> I will just say that. Yeah, it does seem that, doesn't it? Yeah. So, but so this time next week. It's very possible, although unlikely. <laughs> okay, this time in two weeks' time, I should be able to let you know where you can buy them. Okay. Okay. And, we, and, and what are we talking? Like WH Smith's, Boots the Chemist? No, I mean, that, the same what, website what distributors as are you to- The same website oh, right, as the okay. pencil wipe. <laughs> right. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. Well, this this is this is hugely exciting. Yeah, and uh, there'll be, there'll be an, up, an update from Annabelle's shop hmm. this time next week. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Adrift. Adrifting. Adrifter. Naughty. Adrift. Do you want a couple of slim pickings from my uh, thin gruel? Oh, I love slim pickings and thin gruel. I <laughs> love it. It's my favourite. So, so the first thing is, for some reason the other day, I was thinking about these shows you see on television, like 24 hours in A&E and all that, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, if they, 
did a specific show like that, but about the things that people go to A and E, which for American listeners is is the uh, the emergency room, the casualty department in a hospital. If they they made a specific show about people who go to those places, and I believe this happens all the time with things stuck up their backside, oh. various objects. I mean, firstly, I, I would instantly become my favourite program. It'd be the best show ever. I mean, there would be challenges in making it because getting the people to sign a release form and Just have blur their faces. Their face. on... Yeah, yeah, I face. think it would be fine. But anyway, I mean, I would love to see it. But here is a question, and I think this is a borderline philosophical question, mm. and it it um, it says a lot about I think about what you how you see your fellow human beings. If they did a show like that, that was on TV every week, yeah. Would the number of people going to hospital with stuff up the bum increase or decrease? Oh, so you mean would that it, it be might... a deterrent? Mm, would mm. people think, oh, best not put that up my bum? Yeah. Or would there be people who just never considered it? And thought, thinking, oh, that's a good idea. Well, I wonder what it is. <laughs> what, what You've it forgotten is about that. the third category, the type of person which I think will be in the minority who think, I want to be on television, I'm going to put that on my bum. <laughs> I hope that's the minority. Well, they're the same people who apply for Love Island every year. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so that was uh, something that passed through my mind over the mm. last couple of days. Nice insight the, into your mind there. Thank you. Yeah. The the other thing um, I thought I'd tell you about is Sunday morning, I'm fast asleep. I'm in Edinburgh with my wife. Her alarm goes off. She says, oh, can you turn it off? Can you set a different alarm? So she bungs her phone at me. Hmm. I go into her phone to set a new alarm. Yeah. And I saw something terrible. Oh, God, what? She's got about, I don't know, 40 different alarms (laughs) in her phone ready to go. It's the weirdest thing. So I'm talking about an iPhone here, uh, Hmm. but I'm sure it's similar on other other types of phone you can buy. But, you know, you, you've basically got the, the time listed and then a little switch to switch it on or off. Yeah. So what she's doing, instead of what I do, what I think a normal person does, is every time I need to set an alarm, you just adjust the time. She creates a new one. So she's so, got endless list of time. So she's got like 7.12, 7.14, 7.31, 7.48. And then the weirdest thing about it is loads of them are at strange times a day, like 10 past four in the afternoon, 10 to five in the afternoon, 11 o'clock at night. It's so strange. Did you question her about this? Well, what I did was made a little video of it while she was sleeping and put it on Twitter. <laughs> right. And let me tell you something, it's been viewed more than 130,000 times. No! It's prompted this huge debate. It seems to me that kind of half the people are on my side and think it is the strangest thing they've ever seen. Yeah. And half the people are like, oh, my phone's like that. What's the problem? It's normal. What's wrong with you? Why don't you think this is normal? <laughs> Really? See, I think it's strange. And I also find the time strange. Yes. But I, I'm I'm a very much a, I couldn't set an alarm, like say, for example, 13 minutes past one. It had to be quarter oh. past. I'm a bit weird about that as well. Because I, I have a, th- you know, my thing with the number four, I have all manner of, when right. I set an alarm, it's often at a strange time that has okay. to be some kind of uh, multiple of the number four. But 
But so every time she wants to set alarm, she has to look for it, look for it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, she might as well just have in there an alarm for every minute of the day and yes. then just flick it on as and when she needs it. <laughs> yeah. Mm, it's, I think, it's strange. Very strange. Do you think I should be re-evaluating my marriage? Mm, maybe. Question her further about it and then try and change it. <laughs> that, okay. that's, that's the way to deal with marriage, isn't it? Yeah. Just like you know, endlessly go on about it until you wear her down. All right, time now for Quandary Corner in, uh, well, I'm not in an attic. As I said, I'm in a service department. Um, so it's, it's Quandary Corner. It's, it's the Glap Clinic Roadshow is what it is. Okay, yeah. Me and Salford, Annabelle and Snaresbrook. Um, who, who's the first one from? It is from Liana. As the weather, she says, as the weather in the UK is quite humid, hot at the moment, when travelling on the train, it's nice to have the window open. However, if I'm standing in the aisle and it's a relatively busy train, it's hard to reach the window to open it. I'm relatively short, five foot two inches, so trying to reach over with my short arms would mean I could miss the window and not quite reach it, or even worse, end up invading the space of those sitting down by moving closer to the window. What if I attempt to open the window and it doesn't open? And everyone just stares at me like, yes, we know it can't open. That's why it's closed. On this particular occasion, one out of four windows were open in the carriage, so I can assume it's not broken. Now, my my main quandary is, do I ask the person closest the window to open it? The idea of doing this frightens the life out of me, as usually they'll be so engaged in their phone or listen to music that they may not hear me or know I'm talking to them. Do I wave to get their attention? If they do not have earphones in, I repeat it in my head over and over again. Um, sorry, do you mind just opening the window? But I just can't do it. What if they say, oh, no, actually, I'm quite cold. What do I do? Do I suffer in the humidity until my destination, usually around 20 minutes, or pluck the carriage up to ask someone? I will also note that once the train empties out a bit more, I notice people who are standing in the aisles who now have seats open the window before sitting. So it's not just me who has this particular quandary. Any advice greatly appreciated. All the best, Leanna. So I feel like we've touched on windows before, but not this specific thing. Mm. Um, because my my fear is, I, th- I think you have to be a very bold person to change the status quo in any environment. Yes. So someone's the person sitting next to the window, you have to assume has made the decision not to open it or try yeah. to open it and it's not opening. So you are overruling them a bit by saying you want it open. Yes. Um, I do like the idea of asking the person, but I agree that it's terrifying. Why I like it is if the window won't open, then they're the one who looks silly, <laughs> not you. But but it's sort of balancing that against the the just the anxiety of speaking to somebody and getting their attention and the words coming out right. Yeah, yeah. I think you've got two options here. Either do nothing, which would be my preferred one, or you can very ham up how hot you are. Like maybe sort of fanning... Yes. Say, has anyone got any smelling salts? I don't know. Maybe that's too much. That's too much. Uh, just sort of looking very kind of weak and faint, and maybe just keep on going hot, hot like that. <laughs> and then, and then, then maybe they'll take the hint. But I mean, it, that that depends entirely on where in the country you are. Um, if you're in the southeast, then nobody will take the hint. Right. That's true. Yeah. If if you're elsewhere, it might happen for you. But yeah, yeah I, I I tend to agree. 
I have, you know, extreme sympathy for your situation. Mm. But I think the safest thing to do is suffer. Yep. I agree. I agree. Okay, Okay, let's move on to Anon. My friend at work, who is also as socially inept and inadequate as I am, keeps offering to join in activities. I see a solo, but she seems to think I need company to do and appears to take offence when I say I prefer to do them alone. We've discussed our inadequacies and talk and, dis- and agreed about them, so I assume she understood. However, I recently mentioned I had retaken up swimming, and she said, oh, I'll come too to keep you company, to which I replied, oh, no thanks, I'd rather go alone. She's now upset, and I now dare not go swimming. What should I do? I don't want to lose a friend, but nor do I want a swim partner. Help. <laughs> God, this is this is horrendous. Do you know what I don't understand? Is people who who don't pick up these social cues. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, don't ask me if I'm going in the same direction as you because, like, I really like you, but I don't want to walk with you. I just want to be on my own and have a bit of quiet. Yeah, yeah. I've just yep. had an interaction. Mm. I, I I now want time off from interactions, and and this is the this is the same sort of thing, isn't it? Like. I can't believe they've discussed their inadequacies. This person understands this. And yet still, she wants to go swimming with you. Swimming as well. Yeah, I mean... To go swimming with someone is very strange. It it, it is strange. Yeah, social (laughs) swimming as social event is is quite peculiar. How are you going to interact? Like, How are you keeping each other company? Well, in a way, I was just thinking that's quite nice because... You know, if you do have to interact with somebody, swimming is a pretty good one because I mean, I suppose there's the awkwardness of being in a changing room with someone, but when you're doing your when you're doing your lengths, <laughs> surely you're not really interacting beyond like mm. one's presume you're not swimming side by side, you're not synchronized. So presumably you're just sort of passing each other every now and again. But that would be awkward, wouldn't it? Do you smile? Do you acknowledge it? Do you <laughs> yes. not? Oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, let me think about this. How do, so so the issue is hmm. how does she well, get the message through to her I think is is what what should she do because she just she's not taking the hint. Yeah. So I I don't like telling people who aren't extremely close to me that I love them. I know that you don't like telling anybody that you love them Annabelle. No, full stop, yeah. Yeah. Um but you know, I I do think a good phrase to be deployed in a situation like this is I love you, but, but I enjoy swimming on my own. I love you. I love your company. Um, but swimming isn't something I want to do socially. I mean, you need to be a bit assertive, but I think it sort of softens it if you say that beforehand. Yeah. Maybe, yes. Maybe just, I love your company. Like they are, they're just work friends, aren't they? (laughs) It might be a bit much to say I love you. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I love your but company. do you not think there's do you not think there's like I love you you know like they they say um you know people who live in the arctic have all these different words for snow mm-hmm. there's like there's different ways in which you can say I love it so there's the the genuine sort of I love you and then there's you know when somebody's like kind of playing about and they go oh I love you and you go yeah I love you too and that makes you uncomfortable <laughs> but then then there's like this third meaningless one Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do think you... you're not the person to no. discuss this with no. because, you know, I, th- I think that, that that I was amazed to hear you even repeat those words. There. 
I was practicing. Yeah. I've been practicing three times a day for six years. <laughs> um, but I think like if you if you make a big song and dance about how great they are in some form mm. and then say, but I'm not going to go swimming with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, I think this is just some of this directness that I've inherited from being married to an American. Really, uh, Yeah. Yeah. What about this? So anytime you're going to do something new that you might mention, for example, in this case, swimming, as you're saying, Oh, I'm taking out swimming, pull out of your bag, a shopping bag that has in it a Veruca sock, for example, in it. Cause then they won't <laughs> want to go cause you've got Veruca's. That's good. Yeah, isn't it? I just thought say, of it then. <laughs> you could just sort of drop into conversation. Why is it every time I go swimming, I yeah, manage to activate that chemical that, yes. that turns the water blue when you pee in it? Yes, I, I suddenly lose control of my bowels when I do breaststroke. I, I, must, <laughs> I must stop doing breaststroke. I've got another idea. Yeah. You could go to the HR department at your work and just tell them that she keeps offering to go swimming with you. <laughs> I'll let them deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> or just leave your job. Okay, there we go. That one's sorted <laughs> out now. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. Sorry if it was like slightly flimsier than usual. It's just due to uh, uh, due to circumstances. We wanted to make sure that you still got an episode this week, and it'll be the same for the next couple of weeks. But uh, it's never quite the same when we're not in the same room, is it, Annabelle? Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music, and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers, and um, and and they did the ident. I was going to thank Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu, but I'm going to be honest, they had nothing to do with this little setup. <laughs> so, um, you know, technically, I can just thank myself and, and you at your end. Maybe your lover, Tom, did he plug something in for you or lend well, you something? Yeah, he provided all the equipment and plugged it all in, made sure it was charged, set it up. He put like weird cushions all around it to make the sound better. I feel like he should get a thank you, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Annabelle's lover, Tom. Go to his website. What's his website? Oh, it's very out of date. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's actually a MySpace page. It's that out of date. <laughs> yeah. uh, Carla Gowlett took the photo- photos and Kim Rainey made the artwork. And you can email us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Share your story of failed interaction with your fellow humans with us and send us a quandary for Quandary Corner. And... Um, Maybe we'll finish this week by saying, I've I've heard of Van Morrison. (laughs) Adrift. Adrift. All right, this comes from Leanne Carpenter, who says, hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. Hello. I'm sorry if this is short notice for a podication, but I hope you can help. This is the first time I have contacted the show, and I'm quite nervous that you and everyone listening will think this is awful and wish I hadn't contacted the show. <laughs> well, this this puts the pressure on, doesn't it? This is terrifying. Uh, Leanne says, I'd like a podication on the 7th of August as I'm getting married to the most amazing man, his lordship, Emperor Ducky. 
on the 9th of August. His Lordship, you're about to become a lady, a lady Emperor Ducky. I started listening to your show over a year ago. Uh, In February this year, my other half started to listen to your show as I kept telling him little anecdotes from what you and your lovely listeners had contributed. Since then, if we're going on a longer car or plane journey, we listen to it together. We've recently returned from Greece, so I know he's up to date with the show, and I would like him to hear this podication on the day of our wedding, as we will listen to it in the car on the way to our hotel. This is so lovely. Yeah. Um, I never thought I'd get married from the day... I met him. He always told me he didn't believe in marriage. It was a complete surprise when he proposed. If I start crying, this is moving, but I'm also overtired. I just <laughs> want to say that because I can feel it coming. Um, <laughs> it, I'm not sure what he's getting out of this, but to me, he is the most incredible person I have ever met. He makes me laugh and smile every day. And for this, I know I'm fortunate. I have always struggled with sharing my emotions like you, Annabelle. Yeah. Um, as I get embarrassed easily. So, I mean, my problem is I don't know when not to share them. That's <laughs> a blurt to them. Um, so I think this will be a huge shock to him. He has helped me grow in so many ways as he believes in me. He's always there for me, supports me, and is still helping me to come out of my comfort zone, proving that I am capable of doing things, paddleboarding, presentations which I always cry about before and after and go to job interviews he's turned my life around for the better I can't put into words how amazing he is funny clever gorgeous thoughtful as nothing seems right as it doesn't seem to do him justice I want him to know how much I love him and that he's truly made me very happy and I look forward to spending the rest of our lives together so I mean, here's the thing. At the beginning, when you said um, you were going to be nervous about what what you'd written, I thought like you'd killed a squirrel for fun or something. (laughs) This is a beautiful email. Lovely. That is one lucky ducky, the Lord Emperor. Uh, She says, hopefully one day I will have the courage to share some of my disaster stories of social interactions with you. Please do. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, Horsey. Is uh, is is uh, how Leanne signs off. So, this is incredible. The two I'm trying to remember. I've given this out on the podcast before, but some bits of advice that people gave us for our wedding day. So, one was straight after the ceremony. Try and get five minutes, just the two of you, on your own, so you can take in what just happened. It's really lovely thing. Second thing is. Don't worry about speaking to everybody. Don't think, oh, I haven't seen that person yet. People will just come to you. And if they don't, then that's sort of on them and not you. You're just there to enjoy yourself. Thirdly, hold on to each other. It's really easy to get separated. So just uh, just stay close. Yep. You know, make it an experience for both of you rather than something you go off and enjoy individually. So those are the bits of advice I got for my wedding day. And I thought they were all great, great bits of advice. I'd ask you for yours, Annabelle, but of course your marriage <laughs> ended in failure. So it well, was... <laughs> the wedding day was nice. So I'll add that things will go wrong. And when they do, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. The police turned up at Annabelle's wedding reception. They did. Yeah, that was just exciting because I thought they were strippers. <laughs> Strippers at your wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so congratulations to uh, Horsey and Ducky. Um, I hope the the wedding day went wonderfully. And um, 
And there we go. That was lovely. Thank you for writing that in. That was a, a beautiful thing uh, from Leanne Carpenter. And if you would like a podication, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 